Hello, I'm Monica Reinagel, and you're listening to The Nutrition Diva's Quick and Dirty Tips for Eating Well and Feeling Fabulous. I've been getting a lot of questions lately about the FODMAP diet. This awkwardly named diet is often recommended as a way to relieve chronic digestive complaints, such as bloating, abdominal pain, gas, even excessive burping or diarrhea and constipation. These symptoms are common in people with irritable bowel syndrome or IBS, but lots of people without this diagnosis also struggle with chronic digestive problems. Although it doesn't help everyone, the FODMAP diet is actually a real breakthrough because it's brought dramatic relief to lots of people who have suffered for years from seemingly untreatable digestive issues. So what are FODMAPs? FODMAP is an acronym. It stands for Fermentable, Oligo, Dye, and Monosaccharides and Polyols. So you can see why they went for the short version. And really, the FODMAP diet would more properly be called the low FODMAPs diet, because the idea is to limit your consumption of these nutrients. All of these nutrients, the fermentable oligodiamano and saccharides and polyols, are nutrients in the carbohydrate family. Some are sugars, such as lactose and fructose. Others are sugar alcohols, such as sorbitol and mannitol. And some are non-digestible fibers, such as fructans and galactans. Now, all of these occur naturally in whole foods, such as fruit, dairy, beans, and grains. Sugar alcohols are also used in more concentrated amounts in food processing to produce sugar-free and diabetic foods. Now, these different FODMAPs present different issues in digestion. The sugars I mentioned require specific enzymes for proper digestion. And if you don't have these enzymes, it can cause problems. The sugar alcohols are highly osmotic, and that means that they tend to pull water into the digestive tract from the surrounding tissues. The fibers serve as food for your gut bacteria, who digest them via a process of fermentation, and that produces carbon dioxide in the intestines. Now, everything I just described is perfectly natural, and although consuming large amounts of these compounds could probably lead to digestive discomfort for just about anyone, most people don't have trouble with the amounts encountered in a typical diet. In fact, some of these nutrients serve beneficial roles, such as acting as prebiotics that foster healthy gut bacteria. Some folks, however, seem to have a lower tolerance for some or all of the FODMAPs. And when they eat more than small amounts of these nutrients, they end up with severe bloating, distension, pain, and all kinds of other miseries. Fortunately, the solution is fairly simple. A low FODMAP diet often solves the problem. And note that it's usually not necessary to achieve a zero FODMAP diet in order to get relief. So what foods contain FODMAPs? Foods that are high in FODMAPs include most of the dairy products, Certain fruits, including apples, pears, cherries, raspberries, watermelons, stone fruit, mango, and papaya. Certain vegetables, including artichokes, asparagus, cabbage, garlic, and mushrooms. Certain grains, including wheat, rye, barley, and spelt. And most of the legumes, including soybeans. Also certain sweeteners, including honey and agave nectar, as well as some food additives, such as chicory root, inulin, and xylitol. Fortunately, there's an equally long list of fruits, vegetables, grains, dairy alternatives, sweeteners, and other foods that are low in FODMAPs. 
Now you can find detailed lists of all the high and low FODMAPs foods that I just mentioned on the internet. And there are, of course, also smartphone apps for this as well. Although there's definitely a learning curve involved, it's really not hard to put together a varied and balanced diet using only low FODMAP foods. And if it brings blessed relief from long-standing misery, the effort is obviously well worth it. Plus, there is a good chance that you can eventually reintroduce at least some of these foods. You see, one of the reasons that the low FODMAP diet is so strikingly effective is that it casts a fairly wide net. It eliminates several different categories of compounds, which together are responsible for a large share of digestive drama. However, you may only be sensitive to one or two of these compounds and not all of them, in which case you've eliminated a whole bunch of foods that weren't actually a problem for you. Once things have calmed down in tummy town, there's an opportunity to do some further investigation. You can test your tolerance for the different categories of FODMAPs by introducing them one at a time and seeing if symptoms reoccur. You might, for example, figure out that beans and grains aren't a problem for you as long as you stay away from dairy. Or you might establish that fructose malabsorption is your issue and that as long as you stick to the low fructose fruits and vegetables, everything else is back on the table, and so on. If you'd like to learn more, I've posted some links for good resources in the show notes for today's episode. You may also want to consult a nutritionist or dietitian to help you with this. You'll find the show notes and those resources at nutritiondiva.quickanddirtytips.com, where you can also post your comments and questions, as well as search the entire Nutrition Diva archives for other nutrition topics. Thanks for listening. Have a great week. And remember to eat something good for me. <laughs>